I'm gonna trade my earthly home for a better one, bright and fair. Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears, no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown. The weather there is always fair, there is sunshine day and night. No cold and no rain will fall there, for the sun shines ever bright. I'll need no heavy garments, I'll just wrap my robe around. When I receive my mansion, mansion, robe, robe and crown. Mansion, mansion, robe and a crown. Good afternoon. It is Thursday, January 25th, 2018, and we have gathered together once again for another uh, daily Bible reading and study. Uh, today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 14. Uh, as with all of these videos, I ask that if you can or, or, or are willing uh, to please share this with your friends and family on Facebook. Invite them to join you in this study. Invite them to uh, to ask any questions that they may have about this study as well, um, so that they can, uh, you know, get to know the truth a little bit more. Um, as I mentioned before, today we are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 14, and uh, as Jesus is continuing in his earthly ministry, tragedy strikes. Uh, how Jesus responds to this and what he continues to do uh, beyond that uh, and the teachings that we glean from that is, are the things that we'll look at today. Uh, if you have any questions throughout the video, uh, whether we're live now as we are or afterward, please don't hesitate to put those in the comment section down below. Um, and I'll be sure to you know, come back and answer those questions as I can. Uh, and of course, if they're asked during the live video, I'll try to address them as well. So let's get into the scripture. Chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 1. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. This is why these miraculous powers are at work, uh, work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Right. So at this time, at the beginning of chapter 14, we learn of the fear that Herod has about Jesus. But then he flashes back and tells, and Matthew flashes back and tells us what Herod did to John the Baptist. And it's all around the fact that um, seemingly Herod was having uh, an affair with his brother's wife, Herodias, uh, and was so infatuated with her, um, of course, as we'll see here in a second, um, that he didn't like what John was telling him, even though it was the truth. So verse 5, uh, And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people, because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she may ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry. But because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison, 
And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it. And they went and told Jesus. So, uh, pretty ruthless, um, all in the name of quote-unquote love, but it was sin, ultimately. Uh, It was sin that that Herod was living in, uh, the adulterous relationship that he was in. Uh, It was sin to kill John the Baptist for this reason. Uh, John was giving him the truth. You know, as we talked about in our sermon last week, and as we've looked throughout this study so far in Matthew chapter 10 and in chapter 12, you know, the cost of, of being a disciple, persecutions come. Uh, and unfortunately, the ultimate uh, price was paid for John the Baptist. Now, in verse 13, we see the reaction uh, Jesus has to uh, John's disciples telling him these things. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. So Jesus got away. He wanted to escape. He wanted to mourn. He wanted to be alone. And he wanted to be away from the crowds. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. So it seems like Jesus took off in a boat and he went out into the middle of whatever body of water he was by himself, alone in the water, you can't get much more desolate than the middle of a lake. Uh, I don't know about you, but I find sitting on the water or sitting in the middle of the woods without the buzz of electronics and, and, and cars and all of that uh, to be completely soothing. Uh, I can't think of any better place to get close to God and, and to contemplate things uh, that are going on in the world or in your life or, or even just to study the Word. And so Jesus did that. And then when he came to shore... He saw this great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. So Jesus is he, he went out to the water, and he came back, and he's still in a, in a region that's not a town, right? a desolate place. So uh, he's, he's now come to shore, and these people that had come out, because they heard he was out over here, they followed him over here, and now they're all there. Um, so there's just this big gathering of people, and nobody has food. And so the disciples say, send them into the, into the villages so they can buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves, And the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. That's a lot of people. You have to remember the author of this account is Matthew. And what was Matthew's profession before he became an apostle? He was a tax collector. He was a money man. He was a numbers man. And if you notice throughout Matthew's writing, he's very specific in counting things and very uh, numeric in nature. And he's very specific on exactly how many fish they had, how many loaves they had, uh, and how many baskets full of leftovers that they collected, along with how many people were there. Some 5,000 people, plus 5,000 men, and that's not counting the women and children were there. 
that's more than go to Cleveland Browns games. I mean, they, they have a reason not to go to those games. But that's a lot of people. And they, he fed them all with fish and bread. Just five. Five fish, two loaves. And he turned it into much, much more. Why did he do all of that? Well, because he had compassion on them. So we see after he saw them on the shore, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick and he fed them. That's an important aspect of Christian living. It's an important aspect of, of, of Christ is compassion. Having compassion on those around us. Feeding those who are hungry. Verse 22. Immediately after this, after they had collected the food, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he, being Jesus, dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Again, Jesus wants to be alone. He tells his disciples, go across the water, I'll meet you there. He dismisses the crowds, and then he goes up by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea... They were terrified and said, It is a great ghost, or it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. So this is between about 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning, the fourth watch of the night, very early in the morning. Uh, so as the disciples were going across the ocean, uh, it doesn't necessarily stay, say that there was a storm. Uh, it does say that there were waves and there were there was wind. Um, but it says the wind was against them, and so it was harder for them to get across the water when the wind is, is, is coming against them. And so either they were continuing to row, or they were just afloat. Don't know for sure. But ultimately, early on in the morning, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., they see this figure on the water walking toward them, um, and any person would see that and say, um, what's going on? It's a ghost? It's... Hey, Siri, you're not a part of this. Shh. This I'm is... not, huh? Shush. <laughs> She's arguing with me. Stop! You were saying... Oh my goodness. Technology. Um... <laughs> How rude. Um, so, obviously, the, you know, the natural human reaction would be to think it's a ghost, right? People don't walk on water. People don't just appear walking on the water. Uh, and Jesus said to them, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I can't think of... I mean, Jesus has done many miraculous things. Healing the sick, casting out demons, you know, changing a, a man's withered hand to make it look like the other hand, like a normal hand. You know, those things would have been enough for those of us today who have just a little bit of faith to believe that this truly is the Son of God. But yet Peter 
walking with Jesus, this man who had been following Jesus for a very long time, most accounts say that he was the first one to be called to be his disciple and and, and apostle, uh, that, that he had such little faith in this man who had done so many wonderful and marvelous, miraculous things that he was frightened simply by the wind. And Jesus said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? See, we talked last night in our Bible class as we were looking at the Sermon on the Mount. We talked about how the Bible is not complicated. It's not a difficult thing to understand. It's very simple in nature. Um, The path of being a disciple is not necessarily easy, but simple and easy are two different things. Um, And as we can see here that you know, the faith of the men who had been following Jesus, living with Jesus in person, in the flesh, their faith wandered at times. Their trust wasn't always there. And I think that we can have a little bit of hope in that. Because Jesus still reached out to Peter and said, You have little faith, why did you doubt? He still lifted him up. And into and out of the water, and ultimately into the boat. That's what God has done through Jesus. God has sent His Son to reach out His hand to mankind, and offer them a hand out of the pit of despair, a hand out of the eternal lake of fire, a hand out and up into the boat that leads to heaven. Verse 34, And when they had crossed over, they came to, the, to land at, at Genesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick, and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. Now, I'm not sure if this is a different place. I know earlier on, after Jesus had set up his, uh, his center of operations in Capernaum, they crossed over to a land of the Gadarenes, and some, I've read in a couple places that Genesaret and, and the Gadarenes region were very similar, uh, if not the same place. And um, I think in verse 35 it says the men of that place recognized him. And if you remember back to the Gadarenes um, part, they, they asked him to leave because he had cast the demons out of those um, men in the tombs uh, into the flock of pigs, and the pigs ran into the ocean. And of course the shepherds then ran and told everybody what happened. Um, but it says here that the re- those who saw him, or recognized him, um, went and told everybody and said, Hey, Jesus is here. And uh, they brought out their sick, and the sick came to him, and uh, their faith was apparent, right? We, just saw, we were just li- listening to Jesus uh, rebuke Peter for having uh, little faith, and yet the faith of these people who um, just saw Jesus and, and believed that all they had to do was touch the fringe of his garment and they would be... Um, that they would be healed. Uh, And Jesus said, yeah, come. And then that's what happened. You see, today, we have much more than the fringe of the garment to touch. We have his words. We have his teachings. We have the inspiration of the Holy Spirit uh, and the authority of the apostles that were given them uh, by Jesus himself. Uh, and of course the Holy Spirit at work within them uh, to bring about 
the truth. You know, I read a story today on uh, on Facebook uh, of a gentleman who was in the hospital. He was uh, on his deathbed, and uh, he had been reading his Bible. Um, let me read it to you here. He had with him a, a publication that had been sent out by the local church, a thing that's called uh, House to House, Heart to Heart. Um, and in it, there was an article that pointed him back to the Bible. And it was the story about the Philippian jailer. But he was studying the Bible. And he had learned on his own for several months um, that he was a sinner, that he was lost, and that he was in need of a Savior. And that he was... And he desired to be baptized for the forgiveness of his sins. And he said that he wanted to become a part of the true Church of Christ. And so, members of the local church gathered together at the hospital. And they uh, arranged with the, the hospital staff to baptize him in, the, in the, uh, the physical therapy pool that they had within the hospital um, for the forgiveness of his sins. In Acts chapter 22, verse 16, Paul talks about his conversion. He talks about um, the conversation between um, he and the one that was sent to him. And he said, that, he said, Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. You see, the gospel is easy. The Bible is easy. It's simple. Not easy. It's simple. Walking that path, though, is not necessarily easy because to do that, there are things that have to be done. There are prices that need to be paid, including repenting of sin, turning away from sinful living, turning away from from uh, the, the lifestyles that the world may encourage you to go toward. Um, but Jesus, as we see here in verse 34, bring me your sick, bring me your burdens, take my yoke upon you, my burden is easy. So I want to leave that as a charge to those who are, who are watching this video who perhaps are not baptized, perhaps um, are not uh, members of, of Christ's kingdom. And we, we don't say these things because we want to fill pews. We, want, we, we say these things because we want to, we want to fill up heaven. We want to fill up, uh, we want to fill up the kingdom. And, uh, we want uh, we want to invite everybody um, to learn the truth and, and, and be filled with the word, um, and that's why we're doing this study. If you want more information about that, about what our uh, congregation here is all about, uh, the family of God that meets here in Loveland Heights, you can always go to our website, loveland.church, and you can get all the information that you need there. We also have, of course, recordings of these uh, daily Bible studies as well as previous sermons. Um, as well as uh, both of those things in podcast form uh, that you can uh, subscribe to right there on the website. Um, but ultimately, we do gather together uh, each week uh, on the first of the week on Sunday at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then we gather again at 6 p.m. if you're unable to make it for the morning uh, session. Uh, and then on Wednesdays, we gather together for Bible study at 7 p.m. Uh, these are times of encouragement. These are times of study and worship and praise, uh, and we invite you to join us. If you have any questions about this Bible study or anything else uh, related to Christianity, about becoming a part of the kingdom, we encourage you to email us at info 
at loveland.church. Uh, or if you'd like, you can send that to me directly, minister at loveland.church. Uh, of course, you can always comment below, or you can private message us on Facebook as well. There are many ways that you can get in touch with us, uh, so don't hesitate. Uh, if you have questions, get them answered. Or like the man that I described that was in the hospital, go to the Bible and seek out those answers there. Go to the Bible with an honest and open heart, willing to learn all that the Bible teaches. Uh, and if you have any preconceived concepts or notions, perhaps from from previous encounters with faith and religion, set those aside and listen to what the Bible says. Put to test the things taught to you by others through the Word. If we can assist you with that or anything else, if you have a prayer need that we can pray for you for, uh, let us know. Otherwise, have a great rest of your day. God bless.